Welcome to the Diligent Woman Podcast, where Christian women let go of their guilt and step out in confidence by bringing God into every part of the day, learning by examples in scripture, applying simple principles, and trusting the Lord with it all. I am Angela Legg of thediligentwoman.com, and I welcome you to grow in grace and truth one step at a time. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Diligent Woman podcast. I'm Angela, Diligent Woman from thediligentwoman.com. And I'm here today to talk to you a little bit about time. I know, if you're a busy Christian woman doing all of those things that a Proverbs 31 woman does, taking care of your family, taking care of others, looking around you, putting all these different hats to accomplish all these different things, time seems to get away from us. But I wanted to take a minute to talk about how we should view time. That God does give us an idea of how to how to look at that, but also to realize that Satan uses time to cause us anxiety, to put pressure on us, and to make us feel out of control. And we all know God is not the author of chaos. God doesn't do that. So in in a world where we're doing the things that God wants us to do, we should be able to have peace. Peace with him. Peace within ourselves doing what he wants us to do. It doesn't always mean that the world around us is going to necessarily be peaceful. But we should be able to be at peace. Even when we're going through times of struggle. Even when we're going through times of you know, trying to figure some things out whenever we're studying and we're learning and we're going through those learning curves of this is where I used to be and now I need to, I'm growing and I've realized there's other things I need to do. God still provides peace because he's the landing, the landing spot for that. And I wanted to look at that because I know, at least for myself, um, as, as a mom, homeschooling mom, stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, wife, all of these things, Time just seems to be that thing you want to grab a hold of and just can't. And it takes control of itself and you have zero control over it. And then you just feel like life is happening to you and you have no fight about it and you're just following along in the stream and you're just going to do whatever time pushes you to do. I don't think it's really supposed to work that way. I know I have the struggle. I still have the struggle. I don't have the same struggle I did when my oldest girls were, both of them, you know, five and four, when they were little, 15 months apart, first two kiddos. The time struggles were a little different then. Time struggles were very different when all five of the girls were home and the fifth one was starting to school. All of that has changed as my seasons have gone on, but there's always been this nudge at the back of my mind that you're running out of time. You don't have enough time to do all the things that you want to do. And I started looking at it as, okay, are all those things that I'm putting on my plate, are those the things that God expects me to be doing? Do I need to do all of them? Just because it's something that's out there and to be done doesn't mean I have to be the one who's doing it. And I'll explain that to you. Um, The reason why I think that, I think it's more important to give you the scriptures rather than what I do with it. Um, But it gave me a lot of peace and it allowed me to make choices and to say no 
to some things and to realize that with each season comes a different set of things that need to be done. And one of the scriptures that makes me have that thought process is over in Matthew chapter 25, where we have the parable of the virgins. It's the 10 virgins. Five of them are foolish and five were prudent. Jesus uses a real world circumstance to make a spiritual point. And what he says is that in verse three, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. So this is all saying one group was not prepared to stay longer. They only had enough in their lamp to burn there. They had no more to replace it. But the prudent virgins had more. They brought more oil in case things took more time. And at midnight, the bridegroom comes um, and the virgins rose and they trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said, well, they've run out. They don't have enough oil. And the prudent answered, we can't give you ours because if we give you some of ours, then we won't have enough either. So the prudent virgins were able to make, they were prudent. God calls them prudent and says, we have brought enough to make sure that we're prepared for what's coming so that we can go and go on this walk that we're supposed to go on for the marriage ceremony. And they've got to have enough. And they told the foolish ones, you go purchase some and hopefully you'll get back and be here in time so that you're ready. Um, but then later the door was shut and those virgins showed up who went to go buy more oil and the way was shut to them. They couldn't get in because they were too late. And the, the master says, I don't know you. And the warning Jesus says is be on the alert then for you do not know the day nor the hour. So the spiritual message is, you need to always be looking to be ready when Christ is coming. Because you don't know the day or the hour. God hasn't told you that. But every day you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. But he teaches us this spiritual concept with a very physical situation. And so I can take that that I need to learn both lessons here. There's wisdom, obviously, on the spiritual front, because that's the main point that Jesus is making. But he is lending validity to the circumstances of the physical situation. And he tells the people here, five of these virgins were prudent. They were wise. Why were they wise? They knew that they would need oil. They realized there was a chance that it might take longer than originally planned. And they brought along what was necessary to be able to be there when they so they could be where they needed to be at the right time that took planning on their part to have the money to go purchase extra oil have a way to carry it with them and to be ready to do that they had all of the tools they needed to meet this circumstance and be ready when the bridegroom showed up that tells me that it's not enough that i want to show up it's not enough that I'm going to try to bring everything with me. It's that I'm going to go to the effort of making that list. I'm going to look at what do I need to know to be ready for today. And then I'm going to equip myself to be prepared for what comes today. Now, every day comes with surprises. It was a surprise on the timing for them, but they were as prepared as they could be.
and he calls that prudent. So instead of letting time dictate everything and I'm constantly reacting on this side of it as it's happening to me, instead, I need to be prepared and equipped to deal with it as I'm walking through that time and dealing with the situation as it plays out. But that takes some being aware. They obviously knew that there could be delays for this bridegroom coming. They prepared for that. So that tells me that there is wisdom in my being prudent. I need to set that standard. I need to set the standard of I'm going to be as prepared as it's possible for me to be. I can't know everything. It's not possible. And I'm not supposed to put that stress on me. The book of Ecclesiastes makes that very clear. It, it, there's no real benefit in spending so much time studying and studying and studying because it brings its own issues. It brings health issues. It weighs on your mind. But we're also told, as we look over in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I wanted to look at that and I wanted to read it, that part of this struggle that we have is that we seem to think that the time for everything is all at the same time. And when we've got kids at home, it can really seem like that because they have their needs and you have your needs and the husband has his needs. And yes, they all have to find their time. But it doesn't mean that everything that falls into an interest of children needs to fit into your schedule. Not everything that is open to you. You could be on the school board. You could work at PTA meetings. You could um, co-op with moms on making lunches and freezer um, teams where you're doing freezer cooking. You can do all of those things. They're all great, but you don't have to do all of them. They all have their benefits, and the prudent virgins showed us that not only did they have to be prepared, they couldn't give away everything they'd prepared because then they too would be unprepared. Um, there's a very real concept in the world that most of us are familiar with. If you're on an airplane, they tell you that when the oxygen masks come down, if there is an emergency, you put yours on first and then put it on your children next because you can't help them breathe if you're not breathing. That's at the initial onset. You have to be breathing in order to help them. So you put it on yourself first so you can focus and help them with what they need. So there are there's a time and a place and an order for things. And sometimes in our giving hearts and our moms wanting to do all of these things, we give and give and give so much, but we don't do anything to prepare ourselves. We don't do all of the things that we need to so that we are ready, so that we can handle it. We neglect what we need to have in store for ourselves to the point that we can't give well to everyone else. And the prudent virgins knew the difference. It doesn't mean you hoard everything to yourself and you're never giving. It's not the message of that parable. It's that you must be wise and you must be prepared. And part of that involves your time. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, we have this lovely section of scripture. We have a lovely pop song from decades ago that helps us to remember it, right? But Solomon in his wisdom wrote, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. 
usually those things are not necessarily at the same time. In your life, those things don't happen at the same time. You are not born and die in the same moment. Right? Those are two separate events. There is a time for the one and a time for the other. Um, it says a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. We have seasons. We understand this if we're gardeners. I'm not. I don't have green thumbs. Ooh, I'm not allowed to touch the plants. Because um, <laughs> they do not grow well for me. But I understand this, the idea that there is a time to put seeds in the ground. And then you need to leave them in the ground until it is time to uproot them. And there are circumstances that dictate when you're going to uproot them. But those things don't happen at the same time. I remember our children had a storybook about a little um, child wanting to grow a garden and they put all of their seeds in and every day came and dug them up to see how they were doing. Well, guess what? They weren't growing because they kept digging them up and putting them back in. There's a time for them to go into the ground and they have to be left to do what needs to be done. And then there's another time in where those things need to be uprooted and we have to decide what is the time. There is a time to kill and a time to heal. There are times when the focus is on preserving life or dealing with the situation in front of you and this is this is violent and whatever those circumstances are. I think a time to kill can be for any normal any any you know there's lots of scenarios for that. It could be war, it could be self-preservation. It could even be I need to kill my meat to eat. There's a time when I have to kill something in order to eat it. And healing is a separate process. Killing is one end of that process. Healing is another end of it. They're, you're not doing the two at the same time. And we need to know the difference. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Sometimes you have to tear things down because they're not in good shape. It's not wrong that you come to a moment and have to go, we can't keep doing this the way it's been. This is wrong. It's not working. We need to tear it down and we need to start over. But then there's other times where you keep building on what you've already got. And you keep encouraging. And that can be spiritually. It can be physically. It can be in building a house. It can be in building up your brethren. There's a time for one or the other. They don't necessarily exist at the same time. Sometimes you have to do one to get to the other. He says there's a time to weep. And a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. And sometimes in our modern society, I'm not sure that we give ourselves time to do the weeping and the mourning. It's become stressful. I know this is one struggle that I have is that it stresses my children out to see me upset. Makes sense. They don't want their mom to be upset. And tears makes them afraid their world is coming to an end. It, you know, unless it's in the bounds of a movie that always makes me cry, then they just assume something is very wrong. And so I curb the expression of any of the emotions that might bring me to tears. I don't have a lot of emotions that send me to tears. And it's usually an extreme. But I have to be very careful. So there's a lot of my tears that need shedding that I never let them go. I never let them come out because there's never a convenient time where it's not going to cause stress and anxiety to my kids. Sometimes I do have to tell them, look, 
I'm just going to have to go in the room. I have to go process some of this stuff and don't get, don't get worried about it. It's just, it's just all these emotions that I have. You have them. They're good. It's a good learning experience for them. But I know there's lots of times that I reel that in and there's always a payoff for that. I still have all those held in and I didn't let them out. And for mourning, I don't know if we allow ourselves all the time we need to mourn the changes in our lives. Mourning is not just reserved for death. You can mourn the loss of life before uh, 2020. You can mourn the freedom of just going about your day the way that we used to. We may get that back to some degree. I don't know. But right now, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as free as it was before. Because now there's all these other things. It's changed. Well, there is rightly so a mourning process of that loss. We have lost something. Whenever our children start to leave the nest, do we allow ourselves to go through the mourning process of losing them? I can be overjoyed at my child finding the mate that they love and they want to marry. But at the same time, there comes a point where I need to also allow myself to mourn the changes that we've gone through. That now, no longer is she in my home. No longer is that relationship the same. We got a lovely one. There's something good on the other side, but I still lost something. Do we allow ourselves to mourn over those things? Do we allow ourselves to mourn over changes in our financial situation? And that can go either way. Someone could be very blessed and have a, their income go up a great deal, and they have all of this money, and they even change their lifestyle. But it changes the way things used to be to a new way that they are. And you may like the new way, but you have to let go of and mourn and put to bed the one from before. So you're not carrying that baggage forward with you for whatever reason. But the same can be said for um, having lost income. A change in, in that where things go to where you don't have as much as you did. And in some ways that can be a benefit. There's less to stress about. You, you know, weed out all your extra stuff. It's a good, you know, downsize and get rid of all the clutter. There's lots of benefits, but it doesn't mean that there's something there that shouldn't be mourned. Something's been lost. Something's changed, even when some good things happen. And God through Solomon is telling us there's a time for that, which means we need to allow time for that. Don't be so busy that you don't ever get to experience that. He says there's a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. And in biblical circumstances, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, when do you, when do you throw stones? That was usually a time of punishment. Um, I, I don't know if they threw them in frustration. I know now it's, you know, it's a popular thing that's told if you're dealing with lots of anger and frustration and you don't have a way to express this, to throw eggs, go break some eggs because it doesn't hurt anything to go break some eggs. Maybe throwing stones was a thing. I don't know. Um, but there's also a time to gather stones. What would you gather stones for? Laying foundations? Laying paths? Um, arming yourself? Being prepared? I think that's really the idea here is there's a time to use what you have gathered and there's a time to gather it in preparation for something. Um, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing think about that. There is a time to embrace and 
just love on everything that's in front of you. But there is a legitimate time when it's like, I can't go near that. No, I can't hold on to that. I can't hold this close to me and I can't make this something of so much importance to me that it gets in the way. I can't embrace everything. And I have to have this discernment to know the difference. It says a time to search and a time to give up as lost. Search for those things that you're meant to look for, that you, it's misplaced, you don't know where it is, but there has to come a time where you go, I cannot continue the search. That can be for answers to questions that you have. Sometimes when you're studying and you're trying to understand and you just keep hitting a wall and you keep searching and you keep searching because your heart is determined this is the answer you're looking for and you keep hitting a wall, there comes a time where you have to go, okay, Lord, I'm giving this one to you and I'm going to leave my heart open for you to show that to me the next time I come here because I'm not seeing it. And that answer is not here. And then down the road, maybe there's another time for that. I think searching, there's a lot of times that our searching is futile. I know for a fact I put that stupid thing in the closet where I know I stored it because that's where my, my memory can see it. But it's not there. How much time do I waste trying to find the thing that's not where I thought it should be? <laughs> These are mundane things that can eat up a lot of our time, but they eat up a lot of our energy too. And again, this is a broad concept. Searching and giving it up as lost can go into so many aspects of our life. But God says you need to have the wisdom to decide, is this the moment to keep searching? Or is this the moment to stop and just accept that it's gone? All of that comes down to how we manage our time and how we manage our energy. A time to keep and a time to throw away. So instead of searching for what's lost, there's a time for gathering all of this stuff. Right now seems to be a good time for gathering. A time for keeping things and you know making sure you've got some means of feeding your family, clothing them in a time of crisis. Make some preparations to do that. It seems like a good time to do that. But there very legitimately can be a time where this is too much to have. You can't carry everything. So there's going to be some stuff you're going to throw away. Both times are legitimate. You can't carry your sorrow with all the things you had to leave behind because you had to get up and leave. You can't leave your attachment to those things hanging over you because now is the time to let them go. Got to throw them away. Got to move on. This is not a time to hold on to things. And we have to be able to make that decision. God tells us to do that. He says a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. Seamstresses know this. Women who've made their own clothes, you know there is a time when it's right, you're putting the pieces together, but there are sometimes you need to rip the seams out. Sometimes the seams aren't working, they're crooked, they're tearing, they need to be repaired, and sometimes a garment or a blanket or something is so worn out that it's not hardly holding together anyway, and it is time to tear it up for something else. Time to accept that it's not new anymore. And then sometimes it is the time to sew things together and make new things. Improve it, give it a new life, do something else with it. There is a time to be silent and a time to speak. Moms, 
when you are talking all the time because your little ones are chattering at you all the time. <laughs> there, It's good if you have a time for silence. It's not wrong that you need that. We've talked about before to let go of the guilt of everything not being exactly the way that you had in your head that it's supposed to look exactly this way when that picture that you've drawn is formed by so many ideas from other people but God didn't form that idea that way. There's time for silence. Job's friends were able to come and spend a week saying nothing in his grief and it was comforting to him. Sometimes sitting and saying nothing is the right thing to do. So we shouldn't be wasting time feeling guilty that we don't know how to fill that void. It's not a void. There is time for that. Um, but there is a time to speak. And again, this is discernment. Time when you need to speak up and deal with something. Time when you need to deal with what's right in front of you. This is a huge thing with raising your children and disciplining them. Sometimes the focus right now is I need to pick them up and cuddle them and heal the wound that happened because they did something they shouldn't have. They fell down, they've hurt themselves, they did all of that. Maybe the first thing I need to do is nurture their hurts. And then the second thing I need to do is discipline how they behaved. I have to make decisions about that. Which comes first? What is the thing I need to focus on? When you've got five girls of varying ages in the house, you have to decide, okay, <laughs> are we dealing with the noise level? Or are we dealing with the reason for the noise level? Why are they all sniping at each other all day? Well, I will end up accomplishing both. But I have to take care of one thing at a time because that's all I can do. I'm only one person. I can only fill space at, in one area at one time. I can't be multiple places at multiple times. That would be great, wouldn't it? But there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Sometimes it's enough to just sit and be quiet with your kids. They don't have to always be reading. They don't have to always be studying. They don't have to always be going, going, going. It's okay to just sit. And then there are times when let's have a chat. Let's talk. And trust that God has made you so that you can see those things. If you've allowed yourself the time and you've gotten all that excess guilt out of your head, it makes it so much easier. But there's a time for all those things, and it's okay. There's a time to love and a time to hate. I hate sin. I can't love it. And there's a lot of things that come from sin that I cannot love. I cannot love those fruits of sin. I can't. But there's times in your life where love has its absolute place in regards to the relationships that you have, your walk with the Lord, all of those things. But it is right that you will have times and places where you have one or the other. And that's not wrong. The trick is learning how God wants you to apply love in your life. How he wants that reflected. And that takes you spending time in the word. There is a time for war and a time for peace. Sometimes there is a battle to be waged. And this can be very real world. Or this can be spiritual. It can be with the souls in your home. It can be in your own head. Where there is a battle to be waged. 
so that you are fighting on the side of the Lord and so that righteousness wins. It's not wrong that the battle exists. God tells us those battles are going to come. It is what you do in the time that you have to deal with that battle. How do you face it? Do you face it with courage? Do you face it with that moral fiber that we talked about from 2 Peter chapter 1? How do you face that battle? God says there will be battles. So don't feel guilty and waste your time being upset because there is a battle. This is how faith is built. This is how faith is strengthened. It's why you're given armor. Because there may be war. But there's also a time for peace. And all of these that Solomon is getting to, this is real world stuff. This is, this is how life is meant here on this planet. Everything under the sun functions this way. There is an opposite to everything. And you may be in one or the other at any point. And it's not wrong that you're at one or the other. It's learning how to just deal with what you have, but preparing yourself with God's word and the wisdom that he's given you to use the skills that he has put in you, creating you as a woman who can do all these things that he has given you to do. Take those things and arm yourself. Strengthen your arms. Strengthen your mind. Fill your heart with the words that put kindness on your tongue so that you can be that Proverbs 31 woman. But you do it by redeeming the time. That's the last place I wanted to look. was over in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul tells us, is that not the best sound ever? I don't know if you can hear that. I love the good crack of my Bible, turning the pages. <laughs> I love having my paper Bible. Um, he says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. He tells you to make the most of your time. In the King James, the New King James, it's redeeming the time. Redeem it. Purchase it. And you don't get a do-over. We don't get it back. That's kind of the funny thing. We just went through daylight savings time, made that transition. Springtime, we jumped forward. And the joke is, is that you get the hour back in fall. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't get the hour back. We're just jockeying the, the clocks back and forth. You don't get your time back. Once it's spent, it's spent. And so you need to set the standard because God has shown you that time is something that you can manage. You don't control the end of time. You are not in control of the number of hours in a day. He has set all these things in place. But you are in control of the way in which you use the time that he has given to you. That's what you have control over. The school doesn't. You do. The world doesn't unless you give it up to them. If you allow them to dictate your hours and dictate all the places that you're going to be, to dictate how busy you're going to be, if you let all of the other moms out there and your need to be like them dictate how much you do, that's you're allowing other people to have control over your time. And that's, that's not what you're supposed to do. God wants you to be in control of yourself. Self-control. 
And that prudence is shown through how you make use of your time so that you're prepared for the things that come. This is something you can do. And it is something you can absolutely tell Satan to get out of your way. You can make a list of the things that need to be done. Pray about them. Look at that woman in Proverbs 31. Which of those things are appropriate to you and pray about them? If you're married, your spouse deserves your time and your attention because God says so. Older women are taught to teach the younger women to love their children and their husbands. And that's phileo love, like them love. We're supposed to have agape love and that we do what's right for them, but we also have to learn how to like them. Hmm, that might be a learning process when they're making messes and leaving trails and we have all of these things that have to be done, right? But it's a process that God acknowledges and you need to make time to go through it. Sometimes when you've been married a little while, it's a process you need to revisit. It's not just one and done. So make it where you are in control of your time. Take back that control and don't give it up to anybody else. Don't have to tell somebody else, I'm so sorry, time just got away from me. Or there just weren't enough hours today. No more excuses. Be realistic. Look at what your time looks like and what is making it so full that you can't do the other things that you want to do. And choose. And it's okay, like the prudent virgins in the parable, it is okay to say no. No, I can't give you my time because if I give you that time, I don't have it to do what needs to be done today. Nope, I can't give you my time because if I do that, I'm not here when my husband comes home or I can't make it to the store and have dinner ready if that's what is part of your day. As a single person, this is just as important for you as it is for a woman who's married and has children. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You need to manage your time. Your season, your circumstances looks different than anybody else's. But you need to be aware of it and take responsibility for it and shine in it so that you can bring glory to the Lord with everything that you do. Set the standard for yourself and show your children how you are going to make sure that what needs doing is going to get done because you have prepared for it. You have prepared the time, the energy, and the materials to get that done. And you're not constantly going, I just don't have time. Make room in your day for unexpected things. If your day is not so full, then you've got room in case something unexpected comes up. Suddenly now you've got the time to do that deed for someone who needs it on the spur of the moment. But also have the wisdom to go, I can't do that. But maybe help them find someone who can. Have some discernment for how you spend your time. You cannot give all of it away to doing everything else except what is yours because then you carry the guilt of not getting what is yours done. You have to choose because the world is full of people and not everybody has to do everything and that includes you. You need to give time to the Lord to pray and to be in his word. 
Scripture writing is a great way to do that because it kind of focuses your energy. But there's nothing that says you have to spend hours a day at it, even if you love to. You don't have to. You don't even have to spend an hour a day. It's a good thing if you can, but it's not required. Because a woman who's in the God's Word every day, all of that stuff builds on it every day. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more. And you do this for as long as God gives you time. So, set the standard today. I want to encourage you to do that. In the comments below the podcast episode, I'm going to put a link that will take you to a diligent time plan. It's for budgeting. Just like you budget your money and give to God first, maybe you need to budget your time and give to God first. But also that means you got to give to your family, you got to give to your husband, go through those things that a Proverbs 31 woman, a worthy widow, when she becomes a widow, what that woman does with her time. You've got to make intentional time for that and see how that falls. Go through that and create a budget for yourself so you can see it black and white on paper. Okay, I really do have enough hours in the day. I'm just not using them. <laughs> I'm wasting my hours in these ways. I have plenty of room to pray every day and to study every day and do something fun. But you need to see it so you can take the worry off of your mind. Do something like that. Um, but I'll, I'll drop a link where that'll send you to that and show you how to do that. Um, it, but it's something you can do on your own. It's just a matter of how many hours are in the day, a list of all the different type of activities you have to do, and assigning an amount of time to accomplish them every day. How long does it take you to clean the kitchen? How long you know, does it take you to do these different chores, do your shopping, block out time for those things on any given day because there's lots of them you don't have to do every day. I don't go to the grocery store every day. If I have my choice in the matter, I go to the grocery store once every two weeks at the most. <laughs> um, but that's not always the case. Sometimes I have to, you know, make a quick run, but even at that, it's half an hour. Well, if I make sure I have time in my day, then I have room to do that. So I want to encourage you to look at that and there will also be some other resources I'm talking about how to redeem your time and how to study that and to look more at these scriptures to see what God teaches us. He's not left you lacking in information on how to manage your time. Lots of scriptures on how to plan what things go first, what things come second. He's given lots of guidance. So I want you to look at that, find the resources that will help you and then take Back responsibility for your time so you don't have to apologize anymore for it running away from you. You can own each day and you can bring it with joy and you can bring it with peace because you have done what God has asked you to do, you've accomplished what needed to be done, and you've given yourself room so that you can heal and recover and do all those things at the end of the day so that you can do it again tomorrow. Because if you don't recover, you're going to have a hard time doing it. So all of those things have to have some time. Don't feel guilty about it, but set the standard for yourself. Make time for the Lord so that you can make time for all the things the Lord has asked of you. I'm going to leave that with you. I hope that you find it encouraging and Lord willing, we'll see you here the next time. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on the Diligent Woman Podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of new episodes and share those with your friends. Until next time, enjoy.